0: As I was driving, I was like, well, I've kind of been thinking about it all day. I was like, there's like a lot of the timeline, like of our friendship, like there's a lot of different layers to it. And now you're like my boss and my pastor. And so all day I've been like, mm, what angle do I take here? <laughs> this is weird. Uh, take all the angles. All of them.
1: Welcome to the Narragate Podcast. I'm Weston. And I'm Logan. And this is the Rob Rogers episode. Rob is the lead pastor at Grace Chapel in Leapers Fork. And it was just a real cool experience getting to sit down and talk with him.
0: Yeah, he, he's my boss. <laughs> yeah, but, but also one of for, uh, the first two uh, founding students of Narragate.
1: Yeah, so that's a pretty cool story. And uh, what I thought was really cool about this conversation is that it kind of got more into the life and history of Rob and not so much about the, f- the foundations of Narragate, mm. you know, which was pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, he's been on a journey, man. And as always, if you want to hear more about the Narragate Foundation, check out our show notes. Hope you enjoy the episode.
1: We had toyed around with the idea of starting out each episode with two questions. Who are you and why are you here? Those two questions were probably familiar to you because they're the two questions that Narragate kind of operates to help young men discover the answers to. So why don't you tell us who are you and mm-hmm. why are you here? Well, thanks, Weston. You bet. And
2: thanks for having me. Um, this is uh, this is kind of a full circle moment. I remember years ago dreaming about the idea of doing a Narrowgate podcast and a Narrowgate studio. So, uh, oh. anyway, my name's Rob Rogers. I am uh, one of the. Let's see, I was the second guy to ever move in with Bill and Stacy. Um, and Narrowgate was kind of born out of that experience. Uh me and my buddy Adam were the sort of the guinea pigs. And um it was a a wild experience. But um yeah, since then, uh pastoring Grace Chapel in Leapers Fork, Tennessee. And uh man, it's a joy to be here with you guys.
1: It's awesome. Glad to have you, man. Yeah. Well you you guys have already have kind of a pre existing relationship. Yeah. Yeah. What is what is that like? What what is it like for you right now sitting in this room?
0: I don't know. I'm kind of. I'm kind of trying not to be overly excited because this this is it's really cool. I mean, just to just to be in this setting. But I've, man, I've known Rob. Rob was on staff uh, at Narragate during my student experience in 2007. That's the first time I met you, and um, you actually gave me my very first opportunity to lead worship at Grace Chapel when I was in the service phase and just graduating out of that. Um, and you were. You know, you you were both here on staff and at Grace Chapel kind of helping lead worship in certain areas. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, man, leading worship in the middle school room. And uh, golly. Um,
2: well, just, I mean, you're special, but I was really just using you for your musical talent.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I was okay with it. Uh, I was totally okay with it. Um,
2: dude, I could, it's pretty I, wild.
0: I could get just lost in thought, just mm-hmm. thinking about how God has just woven things together. You well,
2: know? it's amazing, like even starting off, Like in junior high and feeling like god was calling me to to begin to teach in junior high a little bit years ago and then you jumping in as the worship leader there so we had that relationship way back when Mm -hmm. you know leading worship and teaching and now all these years later we're doing that you know god has called us into a pretty special season it's Mm -hmm. it's fun
1: so um i i have the perspective of you where i just have heard all the stories you know all the you know early days you know I've seen your picture flashed up at our you know greatest gift events or this is you know Rob the one of the ones who started it all but as far as like personal interactions or like personal stories you know from my past interactions with you, there are very little mm-hmm. you know and so I think that this is gonna be kind of a cool dynamic where you've got all of this history and all of this relationship that's pre-existent here and then virtually none. So I, I get to come into it kind of uh, fresh and objective and, and ask you fun questions that maybe Logan, you know, wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah So scared. what's your greatest don't fear? No, yeah, just your... <laughs> uh. What is real? That's yeah. what, that's yes. what, is, what is life? Yeah. 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 You're, you're coming back to be on the Narragate podcast. Like what's it like from your perspective to come back to a place that you, I mean, you kind of helped start. Um, what, what is this like for you? Yeah, it's, it's uh you know, one of the things that's so
2: amazing is when Adam and I moved in with Bill and Stacy. Like I was desperately in need of something. I wasn't a believer. Mm-hmm. I didn't know the Lord, and um, and then out of that experience, very early on, Bill and Stacy just created space for us to pass on to other young men what they they'd given to us, and so we just did that. And then we did that again and over and over and over and over again. And we didn't really know, like I was, before we, we brought the next two guys, Will and Keith into the house, uh, like I was maybe several months old as a, as a new believer. So I didn't know how to study the scriptures. I didn't know how to teach the scriptures. I mean, I was brand new and the expectation was you're going to make disciples. And, um, And not having any idea what we were doing or how to do it and just kind of figuring out on the way, we just knew that this was something that we were supposed to do. This is something that God expected us to do. And so we just took the next step of obedience over and over and over and over again, still not really knowing what we were doing. And now all these years later, looking back, going, God, what you have done is unbelievable. And all you asked of us was just simple acts of obedience. So it, it's, you know, I, 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 look at it from that perspective, just going, God, you have done this because we had no idea what we were doing. Hmm. And in fact, the first year and a half, as things were getting up off the ground with Narrowgate, I mean, it was a hot mess. Uh, it, it, there was, a, there's some, there's some stories out of that, that, um, yeah, maybe I won't share on the, on the podcast, <laughs> but, yep. but we, we had some, we had some interesting dynamics at play. Uh, I mean, there were, there, there was. I remember one guy in particular. I think he had heard about us through word of mouth, and then was trying to escape some court situation, and then basically hitchhiked from California to get to Narrowgate. Wow. And we're like, "Come on, come on, bud!"
1: <laughs> and, Love
2: that. I mean, it's just messy, and and that's the thing. That's the thing about the kingdom of God is it's it's messy, and he he works in the messy places. So mm. it's it's uh it's pretty cool to see all That God has done, mm-hmm. um, and it's you know, it's been how long 15 coming up 20 years almost, yeah, 20 years. Yeah, what, yeah. What, what year was 2004? Okay, 2004, yeah. so yeah. almost 20 years.
1: So, you played a obviously a big role in the beginning of Narragate and large, you know, a large probably part of the middle, you know, of Narragate's history, and so imagine that that was a part of your calling mm-hmm. at what point um, did your calling, you know, have you step away from Narragate to pursue, you know, church ministry? What mm-hmm. can you talk about that a little bit?
2: Yeah. So what was interesting, so I, I, I grew up playing music, playing guitar, writing songs, and I, I just, you know, um, I grew up in Pittsburgh, didn't grow up in a, in a Christian home. My parents are amazing people. Uh, that just wasn't a part of our life. And, um, and, it, all throughout my years of addiction as a, as a teenager, that's one of the things that I would just, I continue to do is write music. And, and once I, once I was rescued by Jesus, then that gave me kind of an avenue to point the music to. And so as we were just kind of beginning things with Narrowgate, gate, I, I was continuing to write music. And then an opportunity came up for me to step in and lead worship for, Uh, the high school and middle school ministry at Grace Chapel. Hmm. And I was terrified out of my mind because I was totally comfortable like closing the doors and writing music and singing by myself. Yeah, But to ask me to get up on a stage and do it was like horrifying to me. You know, as I began, I was working with Jonathan Allen and and so he was encouraging me to step up and step in. and, And so as I did, like right when I began, like, I, the first month, I hit, like, a full-blown depression mm. just because of the anxiety of getting up in front of high schoolers and middle schoolers trying to lead worship. And, like, I'd never done this on a stage before. Yeah. And, like, I played music but not worship. And so, anyway, there was a lot of dynamics at play.
1: And, and this I was all while you were still, like, working with Narrowgate? I, I was
2: with Narrowgate, and I was transitioning, and I was going to be doing part-time Narrowgate, part-time gotcha. Grace Chapel.
0: I think that actually happened while I was a student because I remember – yeah, as I was in community, you were making that transition, yes. kind of doing part time in both. Yeah, I think
2: it was around two thousand six, seven, seven, maybe. Yeah. Um, and anyway, so after you know going to Jonathan and going, man, I don't know if I can do this. This is really hard. I'm just stressed. I'm so anxious all the time, just thinking about leading worship. He goes, man, you got this. Let me pray for you. Like he walked with me through that, and um, and then over time, I began to get more more comfortable in the role, and eventually um God opened the door. I just saw this need with all the, the middle schoolers. We had a volunteer uh teaching team that would rotate. And I just saw this need for um a consistent message to hit these hit these kids and and uh, almost like a leadership vacuum in in that ministry. And so um prayed about it and felt like the Lord just said, hey, it's you see a need, step up and, and meet it. And so that's really when I first started stepping in and teaching,
1: Hmm.
2: not just leading worship, but teaching. And out of that came young adults ministry. We had a young adults Bible study at the, at the good cup, uh, coffee shop and did that for a number of years. And so God was just using that experience where I still had what was familiar, familiar to me at narrow gate. And he was stretching all these kind of faith muscles over here that, that I didn't know. I had, and then as I got more comfortable and that, he just kept calling me into the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, which led to uh after my wife, Missy and I were married, uh, planting a church in, in Bellingham, Washington, which was nuts, which is a bit <laughs> wow. nuts. Yeah. Hmm.
0: I, I wanna I wanna backtrack just a little bit, because you you talked about being being young in the faith, and and here you are, it's like more guys are coming and this ministry is growing and you know, God's given you opportunity, um, to, to give away what you've been given. And, and you kind of mentioned, you know, you you didn't, at times you didn't really feel like you knew everything you were doing. Mm -hmm. Was there any moment either on staff here at Narrowgate or even, even like a similar experience stepping into what you described, you know, working with the, the youth there at grace, you know, what, were there moments where you're like, where something clicked and you're like, Oh, I know what I'm doing. Like, yeah, like, did, was there, were you grabbing hold of like your ability to do it at certain places or was it constantly just like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm being obedient? Like, no,
2: I think, no, it's a great question. I, I, it's sort of like anything where you first try something new or different or something that's uncomfortable or unfamiliar. It's way harder. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, the idea of, of the J curve. Like, when you try something new, it oftentimes gets way harder in the beginning. And then if you just stick with it for long enough, mm. all of a sudden your your competence in it uh just begins to skyrocket. And so I, I think that's true. It's it's true with anything. But I, I think especially as it relates to this, it's true, especially as you're as you're kind of growing into the giftings that God has put in you that you don't even know are there. Mm. Um so I would say for a season, there was a lot of, a lot of wrestling and doubting and questioning. And am I supposed to do this? I don't know. da da. da. And then if you, if you really just persevere and stick with it long enough, it, the longer that happened, the more clear it became. Like, no, God has put this in me to do. At least for this season. Hmm. Um, D- yeah. Can I
0: just say, like, even even, like my experience as a student during that kind of season of life, like. It- <laughs> years later it became really encouraging to me to realize like a, just a bit of that because like here i am as a student at narrowgate man just af- afraid of everything and trying to figure out who i am and and like i remember like you and adam and even like dion and will like mm-hmm. these guys and i like in you know and not to be too hyperbolic but i, I idolized you guys mm-hmm. it was like i just want to say like what, whatever whatever in whatever ways god was stretching you like Man, it never came across in any negative way to us. Like it we, there was just this sense of like, man, we know these guys love us and we know they love Jesus and we know they're not perfect, but man, I um it was years later after like graduating from Narragate and kind of having this kind of four or five years of of wandering and then coming back and then and then having somebody remind me, like, yeah, these guys were just like young in the faith. Oh, you mean these guys who I idolized who are teaching me daily like all these truths about God? It's like, oh yeah, they were they were operating it and I was benefiting from it. It, it greatly hmm. encouraged me in like a season of life later, oh, just knowing awesome. that like, man, we that's don't so have cool. to, we don't have to fully wrap our heads around everything just to be obedient to the Lord. Yeah. That, and then just see the fruit of that. Yeah. And, and I was, I benefited from the fruit of that. So I'm just really grateful yeah, for, for whole, you guys just in your obedience.
1: It's that whole imitate me as I imitate Christ yeah. thing. You know, you've got a picture of somebody who's pursuing the Lord and picking up things as they go. And you may not know exactly what it's like to, you know, imitate Christ, but you can see somebody else who's doing it. So mm-hmm. that's a good physical representation of you know. At least if I follow this person, I'm I got to be on the right track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I I want to ask before we kind of move on to um, you know, your your ministry stuff in, in Washington State and all that. Like, was were there any moments like early on? Did did God ever give you a glimpse of like what Narrowgate could have or would have or did eventually grow into? Like, did you ever kind of know it was going to grow into this?
2: No. I mean the 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 short answer yeah. is no. The we I think we all had some some dreams about what it could be, some some vision of what it could turn into, but not knowing specifics. Like mm. generally if 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 the discipleship chain continues for long enough, I mean it's exponential. Yeah. And so who knows what God is going to do? Um, so I think there were some dreams attached to that, but I, I think the scope of what God has done, um, is beyond anything that any of us even mm-hmm. thought possible.
0: Do you now today in, in any way, kind of feel the weight of what God has done with this? And and like, like me again, not to like put you on a pedestal or anything, but like, you know, you and Adam and Bill and Stacy, like y'all's obedience to the Lord now now we're here. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I could go on and I could go into specifics and say, man, if it wasn't for this ministry, if it wasn't for Narrowgate mm-hmm. and, the, and the way that God called me to it and through it, like, I wouldn't have met my wife. Yeah. I mean, I, I could point to so many things in my life right now. Same. And say that yep. I wouldn't. So so there's that. And yep. I'm just one person. Yeah. And we're talking, what, how many graduates now?
1: Uh, several. Now again, and it, it's <laughs> a few. Yes, we're
0: giving all glory <laughs> five, to God, but bridges. like, but, but yeah, like, do you do you ever like today, like honestly, like feel the weight of what's come from all this, like in your life? Do you do you do you contemplate on narrowgate and it's and what it's become?
2: I think I'm overwhelmed by what God has done, but because it was never ours. Like, and Bill and Stacy, I mean, they they, they set that. Uh, that principle early on like this this doesn't belong to us this is not ours um it belongs to the lord and so the the like even thinking of the weight of responsibility and the the significance of what god has done to me it it's um it's it's funny the idea of like putting pastors or ministry leaders on a pedestal when you're in the role you just go man i i I know me and I should not be on a pedestal. Like I'm just a normal human mm-hmm. that is willing to be used by God. And so the weight of the responsibility, it lies with him, not with me. And, and so, you know, I, I just, to me, I look at it as such a privilege to, to be able to be just a small part of the story and, and, glory goes to god because i was a heroin junkie for goodness sake Mm -hmm. like i didn't do anything to deserve it or earn it or you know merit being a part of the story that god has written and for whatever reason he chose to include me in it and so for me i look at that and go man this is it's it is a high privilege to just be be able to witness what's unfolding Mm -hmm. through Narrogate. and even still i feel the same thing about the church like just to, to play a small role in, in the redemptive story that God is writing through his church. Um, it's, it's a, it is a high calling and it is a high privilege. You know, it was interesting, uh, I was on a trip with the family and, uh, just a couple of weeks ago and thinking about, you know, coming back to town and getting back in the seat and going and, and just had this moment of just kind of insecurity going, man, the, that thing, like the weight of responsibility, And, uh, and as I was spending time with the Lord, uh, that morning was going through, uh, the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 with the loaves and the fishes. And, and, uh, what I was reading through is basically about the questions that Jesus asked. And one of the things that was so powerful to me is he, he just simply asked the question, um, to the disciples, what do you have? Just bring what you have. And so then the boy comes and he's, They go, okay, we got five loaves and two fish. That's what we got. And it's like, I mean, not adequate at all. And then they just obediently bring it to Jesus. And then Jesus multiplies it and he satisfies the hunger of 5,000. That's just the men that were accounted for. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the invitation in that was, it just was a weight lifted because the invitation of Jesus was just bring what you have. It's not on you. Um, the weight of it is not on you. It's on me. So just bring who you are, bring what you have to me, and let me use it for my glory. And to me, that's the story of Narrowgate. That's that's the story of God's kingdom expanding on the earth. Yeah. Um so the weight of it, like the significance of it is enormous. And I'm grateful to God that the weight of the
1: responsibility lies on him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was thinking whenever you're talking about the uh fact that you were grateful for the small role you got to play and you know kind of the development of all this and from a ultimate you know spiritual sense in comparison to god's plan like yeah we're all playing small roles in his ultimate eternal plan um but like back in the day like i imagine your role at Narragate was a pretty big role you know like compared to other people's roles at Narragate. and so the thing that i'm interested in is like because that's my world right now as program director now Mm -hmm. like i know the inner workings of you know, staff coming on for a season, leaving, you know, and then like, you know, some people are more long-term than others. And like, I imagine, especially because I know Bill and Stacy, I imagine that there was a a dream that you might be more of a long-term player. Mm -hmm. And so I'm interested to know about like that interaction, like whenever the conversation was first had about you maybe transitioning to something else, Mm. what was that dynamic like? You know, Mm -hmm. I have stories that I tell myself in my head about what that must be like, but I'm interested to hear it from you. Like, When you brought that to bill and stacy to say hey i'm not going to be part of this forever like you may have thought what was that like oh man that's a great question yeah the it what was interesting is
2: um there there were some there were some leadership things that i think bill and stacy were seeing in me and i was trying to stretch some of those muscles and i don't know if organizationally we were in a spot that we were ready to step into some of those things. And so I remember some conversations early on, especially when it came around to stepping into uh, vocational ministry in the church. Um, man, they, I mean, Bill and Stacy to their credit were so encouraging mm. that like, they weren't trying to keep me. They were like, no, you need to go do this. You need to kind of stretch those muscles and step into something that's not, uh, that's unfamiliar and i'm just connecting these dots now like one of the things that's core to my just the way i believe that ministry should happen and this is not only seen in scripture but it was and i'm seeing that now that this is what bill and stacy did for me is their goal wasn't to to bring people in and keep them their goal was to develop people and send them yeah and so that's what they did with me and so now being in the position that I'm in, in the church, like that is so core mm. to what we're trying to do is to raise people up and send them out. Mm-hmm. And that began, I think a seed was planted by them and, and what they did with me when I was, you know, 22, 23, just trying to figure
1: life out. Yeah, that's so cool. And that that, that is still the case. Did you feel like that there was like, were you nervous to like bring that up? Because I know Bill and Stacy, you know, and yes. I, I imagine like if I were to come up and say, hey, like I'm, I'm, I'm feeling called to go full-time church ministry. Like that would be, I'm not going to do that by the way, just in case they're listening. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I imagine there would be like a great deal of pressure and like anxiety, you know, coming into that conversation.
2: What was interesting is I came to them looking for a reassurance that I should stay.
1: Oh, okay. I see.
2: And they were like, you need to go. Wow. I'm like, but I don't,
1: I, that's, no, no, I'm you were terrified. supposed to say stay. Yeah, yeah.
2: You, I, so, <laughs> but looking back, and there were even seasons where I was like, okay, I think maybe I could, maybe they would hire me back, and and Bill and State, I mean, they were just, hey, it's God's call. Like we see what God's calling you into, and we would be disobedient if we if we did that. That's so cool. So that might be something wrong with me that they were just never direct <laughs> with me about. Like we're not going to hire you back because <laughs> no. you were a terrible employee. Yeah. I don't know. But um, but they did it in a way that was empowering. Sure, yeah. At least.
1: yeah.
0: So what what was kind of the next the next season for you was you know meeting your wife Misty and
2: yes. So um, so I stepped out of my role at at Grace and um, during that time uh, I met my wife Misty who was living in Custer, Washington. So uh, about two hours ish north of Seattle. So right on the Canadian border. And her brother attended Grace Chapel at the time. So about a year later, um, we were we were married and uh, and just praying about what the Lord had for us. And so I ended up moving to Pittsburgh, uh, where I grew up. Worked in business for about a year, and I worked as a uh, as a as a data analyst for a, for an inside sales team. Wow. Um, at my dad's company. So during that season, our first year of marriage we we just we really started praying about God what do you ha- what do you have for us long term like this is helpful it's paying the bills but like what is it that you want us to do is that vocational ministry is it worship leading is it church planting what is it that you have for us and uh, i just finished a book uh called church planter by Darren Patrick he's based out of St. Louis and um and so we just specifically prayed you know we 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 have connections in Bellingham, Washington, north of Seattle. We have connections in Nashville and connections in Pittsburgh. So, where do you want us to go? And um, as we were praying about that, I one day I got a call out of the blue from a guy named Derek Archer, who was um, the kind of the lead network pastor for uh, just kind of the head of church planting for this this um, this network of churches. And we had a couple brief conversations I went to visit. And what was crazy is during the middle of that, Missy and I were having conversations about where, you know, if we we're going to plant in Pittsburgh and Nashville or in Bellingham, where's the greatest need? And I mean, we didn't even have to hesitate. We knew um, Bellingham would, would be the area with the greatest need. In the specific area where we're planting in the Pacific Northwest, it's it's referred to as the church planter's graveyard. Mm-hmm. So it's like where church planters go to die. And I was young enough and dumb enough to take that as like a challenge. Like, sure. cool, let's yeah, go. Naturally, naturally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got,
1: got Narragate blood. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: So um, so we planted the church in, uh, in 2012, launched in an Elks Lodge. So we're doing the setup and teardown thing, you know, every Sunday. And, you know, being in an Elks Lodge what was just fascinating. Like some of the things, like church planting stories are the best because you have things that are just out I mean out of left field. So in order to get to the the sort of sanctuary which could seat uh, you know about 130 people you you um, you had to walk past a bar and then in order to get to the children's ministry to so getting the kids to the kids ministry you had to walk past two bars in order to get them there. And that was church planting. And wow. in fact there's there was there was, <laughs> there was one Sunday uh, I mean, I'll never forget this. So this is probably within the first three months that we we launched services. So before we launched, we started groups. And so we had a bunch of relationships and community already built. But uh, there was one particular Sunday. We had this sweet volunteer. She would come in and cook breakfast for the worship team before service. And so she had never been in a bar before. So she comes in and it's cold outside and she comes in and before she starts cooking she decides that she's going to hang her coat on the beer tap oh gosh and she uh, she didn't know what a beer tap was yep. and after service is over everybody's leaving and and my, uh, Misty's uncle Jeff comes up to me goes and he's always messing with me so he goes Robbie we uh <clears throat> during service we spilled an entire keg of beer oh my gosh going no, he did not. You are messing with me. And he goes, No, I'm not. Look. And this bar, I mean, there's a puddle of beer that deep oh, in this damn. little inset area where the bar was. And what was crazy is right after this, I had a meeting with the leaders of the network. And so I had to get in there, clean up all this beer. So you smelled. And then as soon as I show up to this meeting, these guys are looking at me like, it's 11 a.m. Where have you? What, didn't you have service this morning? Oh, my gosh. So then we had to call the the Grand Pumbaa of the Elks Lodge. I had to call him. and go, hey, what? this is. Yeah, uh, his,
0: I've never heard that term before. It's Grand not Grand
2: Pumbaa. Pumbaa, but it's like, it's something, it's like Grand Ruler or something like that. Like that's their title. Um, oh, okay. it's great. Sorry. So I had to call the Grand Ruler of the Elks Lodge and say, Hey, this is Pastor Rob. I need to buy you a keg of beer. <laughs> I need to <laughs> reimburse you because <laughs> we drained an entire keg of beer on accident. It wasn't
1: on purpose. So it's not the, an outreach strategy. Did you categorize that on your expense report? I don't <laughs> <laughs> There was no category. Yeah. I don't even know. I feel like
0: you missed opportunity there yeah. to mess with him just a little bit. Be like, the service got a little out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And now it, we was need to your, yeah. it was your great. It was great. Everybody loved it. It <laughs> was fantastic. Best service we've ever had.
2: <laughs> yeah. So we we've got we've got a couple we've got a couple stories from that. So we 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 planted the church and uh, and then uh, pastored there for about seven years. Uh, it, it was it was amazing pastoring in that region. Um, you know the 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 thing that's interesting is everywhere you go, whether it's Nashville, Pittsburgh, Bellingham, wherever. There, there are always people who are there that are in desperate need of the gospel and in desperate need of a church that's, that's willing to serve the least of these, you know, and, and, um, you know, by the time we passed the baton to Brady Rector, who is another narrow graduate, um, you know, there was a, a, a number of, um, people from the homeless community that, that were attending services got a bunch of single moms, a bunch of drug addicted people and then you've got people that are sort of the core of the church that kind of fuel the the mission. And um it was just a really beautiful thing to be a part of.
0: Did yeah. you feel the the walls of like the the church planting graveyard, like tightening in, like, were there moments where you're like, Oh, I get why they call it this. But, but I mean, obviously God was seeing you guys through that.
2: Yeah. I saw why that would happen. I mean, the majority of church plants close their doors within the first two years of planting. So when you're first planting, really the big question is, are we even going to survive? Um, as, as we're doing our best to serve people and love people, are are we even going to make it? Um, but one of the things I learned early on was that churches uh in that region were incredibly cooperative with one another like very kingdom minded and not territorial mm. i mean obviously there's going to be some of that in in religious circles but for the most part uh especially with the smaller churches there was there was this idea that like hey we're we're on the same team we're in this together and if we're not in this together we're not going to survive
1: i imagine that the the shift between a starting a church in Seattle where you're building from the ground up, you know, from a a lodge with beer on the floor to, you know, a (laughs) a, a congregation of 300 plus members transitioning from that to coming back to Grace Chapel, which is an already established church with, Mm -hmm. you know, that has thousands of people. Like what was that transition like? Because that's almost two different ballgames. It is.
2: It is very, very different. Yeah, it, it, it definitely was an adjustment, um, and, and just thinking of scope and scale and how, like even span of care, how do you effectively care for mm. a congregation this size, and can you, and wrestling through all of that. Church planting, you you have to be a generalist. You've, you've gotta be have a little bit of knowledge about a lot of different things, but as the church grows larger, then the, the need for specialists increases. Mm. Um, so people that can really hone in on a specific area and be experts in a specific area. So you, you really learn in larger congregations to function. Not that smaller congregations don't do this, but you really have to learn to be dependent on one another as a body and everybody functioning in their specific area of expertise. Um, and, and it's, it's like, you know, um, when one member of the body isn't functioning the way they're called to or designed to or hired to, you know, it's like everybody feels the weight of that. Yeah. So it's just a, it's a different mindset. Um, and th- the thing too is it's, it's interesting. There's, there's a lot, a lot of people that look at large churches and, and I know the reasons why. But there's a lot of a lot of sentiment out there that's sort of just bashing large churches. and you know the the thing I would look at and 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 push against that is it's not bad, it's just different. And there are enormous benefits to being able to make a large impact with a larger congregation, and there are enormous benefits to having the flexibility um uh, of uh, of a smaller congregation and being able to make quicker decisions. And this is like moving a cruise ship. This is like moving, you know, a speedboat. And so th- there, there are pros and cons to both, but both are needed. Mm. And I think that's, that's one of the things in, in Christian culture today that I think we're, we, we can tend to villainize something that we, we look at and we don't understand and if we can zoom out and and have that kingdom mindset as we look at the different modalities of, of churches and functionality, all that stuff, I think I think there's far more than we can accomplish when the large and the small cooperate together than if we stay sure. separate.
1: Um, did you guys have an executive pastor at your church in Seattle? Uh,
2: we we had what we called our operations director. Uh-huh. Um, so they managed uh our volunteers, so they helped manage the teams, yeah, so what what we really tried to do was empower volunteer leaders, yeah, and then our operations director really was designed to support
1: those yeah. volunteer leaders and did that you didn't start with that no I imagine no. so like if you're coming from a smaller church, you're typically you don't see the lead pastor and executive pastor like established roles in smaller churches, more mm-hmm. in bigger churches. And so mm-hmm. I wonder what it, what it was like to come from a, a place where you're kind of operating as both mm-hmm. to a place where like that has been divided and the 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 staff managing and the, you know, the executive responsibilities are on somebody else's plate and not mm-hmm. yours. I imagine that's kind of a weird dynamic too. Yeah. I, th- I think
2: the uniqueness, um, obviously of what, what we've had to walk through over the last couple of years is, um, you know, that there's, there's history of relationship with David Green, who's one of our executive pastors, and then getting to know Jimmy Harris over the last couple of years. And there really is alignment in our philosophy of ministry. So what, what's, what's, what's pretty cool about it is without even investing an enormous amount of time, energy, and effort, we're all sort of already aligned philosophically. Mm. And so it's, these guys are, I mean, they're diligent, they're hard work. So it's easy in in having those relationships established before we're in the roles that we're in. Now that we're there, it's easy to look at those guys and go, man, I trust you. I know we're on the same page. Go, go get them. Yeah. That's cool.
0: I have a random question. Do you ever like misleading worship? Huh?
2: No, this isn't, that's a good question. Yeah. because when we went to Pittsburgh, that year we were in Pittsburgh, you know, my ministry experience up until that point i I had to like my role was leading worship to a degree. And so it was a half it was a have to because that was my job. When we got to Pittsburgh, I, I I realized that no longer was like if I could choose to either lead worship or teach the word. I mean, it it was no question for me. And I wouldn't have realized this had we not had our time in Pittsburgh. I had to teach the word. I didn't, there wasn't this thing in me where I have to lead worship. That's cool. So it it just gave me the space to really wrestle through, like, what is it that God has put in me to do? And it actually surprised me, like, no, this is a have to, this
1: isn't. That's neat. That's cool. I kind of wish that he would have said, you know, sometimes when I'm listening to you lead worship, you know, I wish that I was doing it. No, when I listen to you lead worship, I, mean, I want to get up I there and play bass, man. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can say that to his
0: boss, dude. He's my <laughs> boss, dude. <Yeah. laughs>
2: hey, now curious. we have threatened. I'm going to say it on the podcast. We have threatened that Logan and I are going to swap one day.
0: Oh, and that I every time I think about that, it like fills me with... An appropriate amount of anxiety. <laughs> an
1: appropriate and, and amount. And it's so hey, funny because, like,
0: I mean, there's seasons yeah. of
1: life where, like, I was I was teaching. What does the Bible say about appropriate amounts of anxiety? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Be anxious
0: for yeah. the appropriate, appropriate amount, amount of things. Of things. Yeah. Uh But it's it's funny because, like, it's it's something for for three years I taught every week, twice a week to a youth group in Texas, and and I. And I got so used to that in that specific setting because it was the first time that I had to do that. Mm-hmm. And again, I was a very small church. I was wearing a bunch of different hats, but um, now being, I mean, I'm, again, I'm just so grateful to mm-hmm. be doing what I'm doing right now. The thought of like swapping on a day.
1: Well, whenever that <sighs> day I happens. I know I can
0: do it. Like I know I can do it, but at the same time, I, I apparently don't know that I can. Because
1: <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm terrified of it. Whenever that day happens, that's why I want to special invite. I want, I want to we be should old. have
0: him host on that day. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. is oh, oh, awesome. like, yeah, There's a reason he's here. Uh, obviously, there's tons of Narragate guys mm-hmm. that you have never met. You mm-hmm. don't know their names. Yeah. Um. In that context of like, you don't even know who they are. They might not even know who you are. They mm-hmm. probably heard your name. Like, is there is there one thing that you'd want to tell those guys and encourage mm-hmm. them with today? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I think it comes back to something we talked about earlier. You know, life life gets hard. Um like there there are things thrown at you personally, individually in life that that I think can can kind of throw you off center and and um the thing the thing I would say is if if you found yourself in that season where you're where you're wrestling or doubting or questioning the goodness of God to me i i look at what god has done through just the narrow gate story and what he'll do with somebody that maybe doesn't understand it all doesn't un- understand the reasons why behind everything that god allows but looking at what god will do with somebody who is just willing to walk forward with open hands and say, God, I'm willing to be used by you. What is it that you want to do through my life? And as you as he reveals those things and you just take the next step of obedience, um, I, I to me, I there's no replacement for just being willing to be used by God no matter what season you're in. Um, so I I I would encourage um Any of those guys, man, like whatever season you're in, there's a family of people that love you and are here for you. Cause once you're part of the Narragate family, like your family. So there's people that are willing to walk with you and help you, but, but walk forward with open hands and just simply be willing to be used by God and see what he does. I think it'll blow you away and it'll, it'll, it'll surprise you. And, uh, there's no better place to be than in the will of God.
1: Amen. amen to that. Yeah. But so Rob tell us tell us where is Grace Chapel heading now? What's the what's the vision? What's the dream there? Yeah. Yeah, so
2: um man, I I like I couldn't be I couldn't be more excited about this. So one of the things that we want to see happen and we believe God has God has put in not just me but our our um our whole team is this this dream to do what Narrowgate has done for other young men. Hmm is is to give opportunity to see people raised up and developed and sent out on mission. So that might be through church planting. It might be through church revitalization. It might be, you know, we raise somebody up and send them into the marketplace. But just giving people developmental opportunity in the church. Like one of the things I view, and really what Grace Chapel and Narrowgate were for me was a training ground. And it, it gave me a space to learn, to try, to fail, to grow. And and then when God called to go to the other side of the country and and kind of just obey Jesus and follow him in those moments. So I, I think our our dream would be to see God do that for more and more people. And so, you know, we're we're working toward that. And That's awesome. um, I'm believing in the next the next couple of years we're gonna see. We're gonna see some fruit from some of the the internal efforts
1: and changes that we're making now. That's great. Yeah, I love that because that was a seed planted way back when. Yes, it was. And it's gonna take even you know deeper root today. Yeah. Well, wow.
0: I gotta say, I, I'm just grateful to be a part of a team that has that. Just, I mean, like within us, over us, around us, like being a part of a team that is so multiplication minded. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's like a dream, mm-hmm. man. I, I, I couldn't imagine um yeah i just feel really blessed to be a part of that so thank you again for inviting me into that man yeah man
2: absolutely it's a privilege you, to be a part of yeah
1: thank you for coming out here today and talking with us has been really cool cool to get to know you uh cool to watch logan squirm a little bit you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah but we really appreciate it man. thanks weston yeah. i appreciate it guys